Well, this morning, if you are visiting with us, let me just kind of let you know that we have spent the last um, many months, let's just say that, in the book of Matthew. And over the past several weeks, we have been looking at Matthew 24 and 25. And we have been looking at what Jesus had to say about end times. We have looked briefly at what the, at the rapture and what the rapture is. We've looked briefly at the tribulation and what the tribulation is. We have looked at the signs Jesus revealed would come before his return. And last week we looked at two parables, both dealing with the need to always be ready for the return of Christ. Now this morning we're going to be looking at the events that will happen following the seven-year period called the tribulation. We're going to be looking at the day of judgment. Over the past few weeks, Jesus had, has said much about the coming day of his return. And he has said much about our need and the need for future generations to be ready for his coming. With each of these messages, there has been a buildup to this particular message this morning. And this message is a message when the king is going to render a verdict. It's going to be a message in which King Jesus is going to reward the believer and condemn the unbelievers. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 46 together. So Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, we'll have the scripture up here on the, on the slide. So you've got a Bible that's in front of you if you did not bring yours as well. This is what God's word says. This is when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him, will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also, also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirst, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, as we come before you now, Lord Jesus, and just walk through this passage of Scripture. 
Father, I pray that you'll just open up every one of our hearts and our minds, Lord. We pray that as we study your word, that you will just allow us to be changed by it. Father, I pray that you'll speak to me, speak through me, Father. I pray that you'll speak to each and every one of us this morning. If there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, they don't know for certain if they were to die today, whether they would go to heaven or hell, I pray that this will be the day of their salvation. This will be the day when they call out to you to be Lord and Savior of their life, the day that they repent of their sins, the day when their heart is is changed and they become a Christ follower. Oh, Lord, just do something miraculous this morning. Do something mighty this morning, Lord. Father, just, just show up this morning. We thank you for our time of worship. And now as we transition into a time of preaching, Lord, just be glorified in and through everything that we do. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You know, from the opening pages of the book of Matthew, we have studied about the kingdom of heaven. We have studied about the future day when Jesus will will leave heaven and come back to this earth and establish his physical kingdom here on earth. The first time Jesus came, he came as a suffering servant. He came having humbled himself by being born in a manger. He lived a perfect life. He died a criminal's death. He was placed in a borrowed tomb, and he was resurrected to life again three days later. While Jesus was here, he made it abundantly clear that he would return to this earth again. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Again, and will take you to myself that where I am going, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus promised us in his word, and we've looked at this over the past couple of weeks, we have looked at how Jesus is going to come again. Just as Jesus predicted, or it was predicted that Jesus would come the first time, it has also been predicted predicted that Jesus will come again. And understand this, there is more said in God's word about the second coming of Jesus than about his first coming. So that is something that we can say without a shadow of a doubt will happen. Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth again. We know he came the first time. And if he came the first time, we can be certain that he will come again. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, just before his ascension, and really right after his ascension, we read these words in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. It says this, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these sayings, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. In verse 10 we read, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
Jesus will return again. And when he returns again, he will establish his physical kingdom here on earth. He will not come as a suffering servant. He will not come clothed in humility. Now when Jesus returns, he will come as the righteous judge. He will come and reign and rule supremely on this earth. What a glorious day that will be for believers. But what a dreadful day that will be for every unbeliever. Our message point this morning is real simple. It is this. Jesus is the righteous king. He is the righteous king, and he certainly judges righteously is what we're going to look at this morning. So beginning with our first point this morning, it is this. The return of the king. The return of the king. In verse 31, again we read, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. There is coming a day when King Jesus will return to this earth. When He came the first time, He did come in obscurity. Very few people were even made aware of Jesus' first coming. I mean, think about the Christmas story. Think about those that were made aware of Jesus' first advent, of his first coming. Mary and Joseph knew. Zachariah and Elizabeth knew. The shepherds were informed after Jesus was born that Christ had been born in the city of Bethlehem. The wise men knew that something was up because they saw the star and they began to follow after that star. Simeon knew when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple to be dedicated. Simeon knew that this was the Christ child, that the Messiah had come. But outside of these, who else knew that Jesus had come? No one knew. It would only be years later before the world was made aware that Jesus Christ had come, the King had come, and the Savior of the world was here. When Jesus came the first time, He did not come or he did come in obscurity. But you can be certain that when he comes again, it will not be in obscurity. Every single person that walks across the face of this earth will know that Jesus Christ has come. Every eye will see, see him. No one will miss him. And no one will doubt who he is. His throne will be established. It will be established in the city of Jerusalem on Mount Zion. He will take his seat upon that throne. And he will be surrounded by the heavenly host. And the judgment of the nations will begin at that moment. It will be upon this throne that Jesus will be both judge and jury. He will be both we know him to be the law giver, but he will also be the law enforcer. And on this day of judgment, Jesus tells us that he is going to separate the sheep from the goat. We read here in verse 32 and 33. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And whenever it's speaking of nations here, it's not talking about the United States and Brazil. It's talking about all the different people groups of the world that are still alive whenever Jesus returns, they are going to come together. There will be millions of people that will come together for this day of judgment that we're reading about this morning, okay? So, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. In Israel, shepherds had both sheep and goats. 
in, in the same flock. And during the day, these, these animals would roam together. But come nighttime, the shepherd would take the sheep and place him inside of a, a sheep fold. And, and because sheep are very skittish. And they would place them inside this fold so that they could be protected. But the goats would be allowed to roam um, freely. There is a clear difference between sheep and goats. Sheep are weak and vulnerable and are not the smartest of animals. And, and it's interesting that we are called sheep, okay? So I'm not saying that you're not smart. God's Word is saying you're not. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, here's what I want us to do real quick, okay? I want us to watch this video, and I want us to see just how intelligent sheep are. I love how all the other sheep are just watching that one sheep. I don't know if they're trying to like wait for their turn to get to swing or or what the deal is. But just watching that right there will just show us and tell us just how unintelligible, uh, unintelligent sheep are. You know, goats though, goats are are more stubborn-headed. They're more independent, we're told. Um, I don't know a lot about sheep and goats, so I had to do some research just to figure out how, how unintelligible we are. Um, but, but one goat owner said this about some goats that she has. She says, this competitive, jealous, scarcity mentality is what gives goats a bad name. And I'm certain it's why Jesus used goats to illustrate the nature of the selfish individuals who do not give their hearts to him. There is coming a day when Jesus will separate the sheep from the goat. There is coming a day when Jesus is going to separate the believers from the unbelievers. Our second point this morning is this, the judgment issued by the king. There is coming a day when King Jesus is going to judge righteously. We read in verses 34 and 41. I want us to read these scriptures together again. It says in verse 31, Jesus said, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then Jesus says of the unbeliever, He says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, when I was a student pastor, um, one, of the, one of the messages I would do every couple of years, and I probably wouldn't do this today, but I did it then, so entertain me just for a second. Um, we would do an, an evangelism message, and we would um, bring all the students together in the largest room that we had in the church, which was typically the church gym. And we created two different rooms. We created a room that we called heaven, and we created a room that we called hell. And throughout this, this message, we would do, um, I, would, I would say things like, um, there's been an accident, and everyone that is wearing the color red has tragically been killed. Um, and I would say something crazy like by a herd of, of wild elephants. And I would say, you have, you have died. 
And, and then I would pause for a second. Then I would say, all of you have been inherited eternal life going to heaven. And so all of the people wearing red, they would go to heaven. And then we would wait a few minutes. And then I would say again, there's been a tragic accident. Everyone that's wearing glasses in this room that has been struck by, you have been struck by lightning. And then I would pause for a second. I would say, you are going to hell. And so they would go to hell, and we would do this back and forth until there was nobody left in the room. And I know that this is a pretty morbid message that I did. That's why I said I probably wouldn't do it again. Um, but, but heaven, um, heaven you got to understand, heaven was this glorious place that we created on the limited budget that we had. Um, it was, it was um, AC'd. Um, we had Candy in there, chips, cokes, music was playing. I mean, it was a party in there. I mean, there was a celebration that was going on in heaven. So everybody obviously wanted to go to heaven because they got to eat. Hell, on the other hand, hell was a dark place. Um, it was a place where we had a couple of space heaters in there because we wanted that room to be just as hot as we possibly could make it. Um, and there was no chairs in there. People either had to stand or they had to sit. The room was real small and it was real compact. And and we wanted hell to be just the most miserable place that we could possibly create once again on the limited budget that we had. And what we would do after that message was over is we'd bring everybody back together and, and I would present the plan of salvation. And I would talk about how, you know, this is a game that we played and we would have fun with that and everything. But understand, is what I would tell them, understand that there is coming a day when if you're in this room and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be too late for you to choose Jesus. And we would talk about that, and then I would do a plan of salvation at the, at the very end of that, of that message. But, but one day Jesus is literally going to divide up those millions of people that have gathered together before this particular judgment. The sheep, the believers, will be given the gift of eternal life. The goats, the unbelievers, they're going to be condemned to hell. In the scenario that I created, those students had no choice. Okay, they had no choice. They were, it was, it was said, predetermined from the beginning what side that they were going to go. But I want you to know this morning that every single person has a choice whether they're going to choose Jesus or not choose Jesus. There are some people that believe that that is not the case, but I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart that God's word is abundantly clear that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Whoever calls on Jesus' name, they shall be saved. I believe this because hell was not created for man. Hell, as we read in verse 41, hell was created for the devil and his demons. In verse 41, we read, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The only people that go to hell are those that choose to reject Jesus Christ on this side of eternity. 2 Peter 3.9 says, Peter said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God wishes that none should perish, but the reality is many 
will perish for all of eternity because they chose not to believe in Jesus. They chose on this side of eternity instead to reject Jesus. And that brings us to our final point this morning. It's the verdict that is pronounced by the king. In verse 34, we read, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of this world. Sheep and goats look alike, especially after a sheep has been sheared. Okay? Um, they look alike. They sound similar to one another. But they are nothing alike when it comes to their temperament and their actions. Those that are being judged on this day are those that are physically alive here on earth following the, the, the period of tribulation, following that seven-year period of tribulation, that, that seven-year period of hell on earth. They are the ones that miraculously survived the tribulation. These men and women that make up this great judgment crowd will both acknowledge Jesus as being Lord But there is a big difference between these two groups. One of these two groups is giving just lip service. The other of these groups, they really have experienced a transformation within their heart. They really have acknowledged Jesus Christ as being their Lord and their Savior and the King of the universe. When they became Christ followers, their lives were forever changed and they were transformed into a new creation as 2 Corinthians 5.17 describes. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The evidence of our faith is a new life. The evidence of our faith is a transformed heart. When we became believers, a transformation should have taken place in our lives. A transformation away from this world and a transformation to becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. A transformation should have taken place at the moment of our salvation. Two groups will be represented within the great host of people when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Both will look similar to one another, and both will even have similar speech, but both acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Notice in these two verses, verses 37 and 34, it says this, of the first group of the sheep of the believer, they say, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And the unbeliever also will say, then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister you? Now there's a fundamental difference between these two groups of people. One has experienced a change of heart and the other has not. Notice what Jesus said of those with the changed heart. Notice what happened in their lives when they trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus said these, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome 
him, you are naked and clothed you. And when did you, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Some people, when they read this passage of scripture, they say, well, that right there proves that, that salvation is works based. That is not true at all. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes it abundantly clear that you and I are saved by grace. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. There is not enough good that a person can do to earn their own salvation. It is only by grace that you and I have been saved through faith. You, you can try to be as good as you want to be. You can do as much good within this world as you possibly can do. But come the end, come the day of judgment, your goodness is not going to get you into heaven. It's only by grace that you have been saved. It's only the result of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When he became the sacrificial lamb for us and shed his blood for us, it's only through Christ that we can enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not by anything that we do. It's solely by Jesus. Jesus did the work. You and I get to experience the joy of the salvation that comes when we place our faith and trust in Him and when we repent of our sins and cry out to Him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. We are saved by grace. But please also understand that when we are saved, guess what happens? Our heart is changed. And when our heart is changed, then we want to do everything that we can to help others out. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I are saved by grace, but we are saved unto good works. We are not saved by our works, but our works give evidence of our faith. The good works in our passage this morning, they are not the cause of salvation, they are the effect of salvation. They are not the cause of salvation, but the effect of salvation. If we have been commanded in Scripture to love, then shouldn't we love? If we've been commanded in Scripture to help the orphans, then shouldn't we help the orphans? If we have been commanded in Scripture to help the widows, then shouldn't we help the widows? If we have been commanded in Scripture to clothe the naked, then shouldn't we clothe the naked? If we've been commanded in Scripture to feed the hungry, then shouldn't we feed the hungry? You know, when I read this passage of Scripture, I think about my friends, the Jarrett's. I think about Holly Jarrett. And how much time she has spent investing in the Owens children who lost their mom and dad as a result of a tragic accident many months ago. How she has helped clothe them, helped educate them, helped establish a college fund for them, helped with transportation, sat by their bedside when they were in the hospital, and helped prepare a memorial service for their parents. When I read this passage of Scripture, I think about my friend Sue, who just last week spent a couple of days at the bedside of one of our widows who was in the hospital. When I read this passage of Scripture, I think about my friend Chief, my friend Chief who has a passion for those that are in prison, a passion to see 
them experience the ultimate freedom that can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. When I think about this passage of Scripture, I think about my wife. She's not in here, so I can, I can brag about her and she won't get too mad at me. But I think about her on her 40th birthday. She could have done anything that she wanted to, but instead she wanted to serve the homeless in downtown Dallas. Folks, what Jesus has shared here about the judgment to come, I want you to notice that he does not say that a person inherits eternal life based on a prayer that they pray or because of, 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 of an aisle that they walked or because they stirred the baptismal waters. No, those that inherit the kingdom of heaven are those that have identified their lives with the life of Jesus by doing the work that Jesus did and the work that Jesus has called them to do. Now understand, Scripture is abundantly clear that we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior when we acknowledge Him with our lips that He is Lord and Savior and we repent of our sins. Okay, that is what happens. That's what brings us to the moment of salvation. But within this passage of Scripture, Jesus doesn't talk about a prayer that a person prayed as being the way that they inherited eternal life. No, it was because of the transformation of heart that took place in their life and the work that they did as a result by helping one of the least of these. One writer wrote, Jesus Christ identifies with his followers. When you serve a fellow brother or sister in Christ, when you give of yourself to that person, when you aid him or her in time of need, Jesus declares that it is equivalent to doing the very same action toward him. As we serve the brethren in Jesus' name, we serve him. Compassionate service to one another is the natural and normal overflow of the character of Christ within us. It is the evidence of kingdom life. If you are in this room this morning, and you have no concern for the lost. You have no concern for the homeless. No concern for the widow or the sick or the orphan. If your heart doesn't, doesn't break over these particular people, um, peoples that Jesus talks about in this passage of Scripture, then you need to do a, 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 um, a, a self-reflection of your heart. You need to really pray this morning. And ask yourself, Jesus, am I truly a follower of yours? Do I really, have I ever come to that point in my life where I truly surrendered my life over to you? Man, if our heart isn't broken for, for, for those that Jesus speaks specifically about in this passage of Scripture, then we need to ask ourselves, why not? Man, why aren't I concerned for the orphan? Why am I not concerned for the homeless and the widows and the sick and the lost? Why am I not concerned for them? If, if you aren't concerned for them, ask yourself this morning, why am I not? Notice what Jesus said about the unbelievers. He said, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Folks, there is coming a day of judgment. 
when those that have assembled before King Jesus will await that moment when Jesus will, will say, sheep inherit eternal life. Goats, you are condemned to hell. There's coming that day when millions of people will be gathered together and they will be separated. Folks, those who have not chosen to follow Jesus at that moment, it will be too late for them. You know, some people think, well, man, I'm going to wait until that last moment when I can give my life over to Jesus. I'm going I'm to have as much fun as I can here on this earth, but at the last moment, man, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. For those that are going to be in this great cloud or this great host of people, it's going to be too late for them. They're not going to be able to, at the last moment, give their life over to Jesus. You know, last week we looked at the parable of the bridesmaids. And we looked at how there is a time when the bridegroom is going to close that door, when all of those that have had an opportunity to receive Jesus, that opportunity will be no more because that eternal door is going to be closed. Today, that door is open. Today, anyone that that chooses to follow after Jesus and repents of their sins and cries out to Jesus to be the Lord and Savior, today that door is open. If you're here this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if you do that, then you shall be saved. If you're here this morning, You've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. What is keeping you from doing that this morning? You know, I know that in life we get busy. I know that all of us in this room, we are concerned about the least of these. We have a concern for the homeless. We have a concern for the widow. We have a concern for the orphans. We have a concern for um, all of these different groups. All of us in this room have that concern. All of us. But sometimes in life, we just get busy, don't we? Man, we get busy with kids, extracurricular activities. We get busy with work, busy with grandkids, busy doing. And as a result of that, our heart begins to change, doesn't it? And we begin to have, have, have less of a, of, of a, of a um, full um, picture of things. And we would kind of come narrow some of you may be in this room, and, and you may be like me, man. You, you've kind of become narrow a little bit. You've become so busy with life that your heart for the homeless and your heart for the orphans, your heart for the widows, and your heart for the least of these um, have kind of been placed on the back burner. Well, let's not place them on the back burner, but let's figure out a way that we can do both things, where we can take care of the least of these, and we also can take care of our family and our, and, and our loved ones because that's what we've been commanded to do. Let's figure out a way to help the least of these as we go about doing life. You may be like me, and you just need to, during our time of invitation that we're going to have in just a moment, you may just need to pray. 
Amen. Just ask God, hey, Lord, just tenderize my heart. I know that there was a day in the past when I was passionate about those things, but today I'm not as passionate because my passion is somewhere else where it shouldn't be. And just ask God to just continue to do a fundamental change of your heart and make you passionate for those again. But you may be here this morning and legitimately you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you need to come to know Jesus. And I'm going to be standing here at the front and I would love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning and you've been visiting this church for a while and the Lord is leading you to become a member of this church and we welcome you to come as well. But here's what we're going to do together. We're going to stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And when I say amen, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord. Father, I know that on, on a day like this, Lord Jesus, when there's a message such as this, that sometimes we become discouraged. Father, I know that sometimes as I preach messages like this, Father, it, it, it seems more like I'm, 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 I'm being um, so negative and so condemning. But, Father, I don't want to be that way at all, Lord. I want to be loving just as you were loving. And so, Father, I pray that all of us in this room will recognize our need, Lord Jesus, to love those that we come in contact with. Because our love for them gives evidence of our faith. If we don't have love for other people, then we need to examine our hearts and determine whether or not we're truly Christ followers or not. And if we're not Christ followers, then we need to get our lives right with you. We need to repent of our sins, repent of our wrongdoings, and, and, and experience that transformation that 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about how the old way of life is gone and there's a new life that comes whenever we place our faith and trust in you. So Father, if there's a change of heart that needs to take place in this room. Father, maybe it's one person, maybe it's 10 people. I don't know, Lord Jesus. Just speak to every one of us this morning and reveal to us the kind of decision that we need to make. Father, we may need to come trust in you. We may need to come and join this church. Father, we may need to just, where we're at, just take a seat and just pray and, and, and pray hard um, for, for um, a tenderized heart and a passion for the least of these. Father, just move now during our time of invitation. Father, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you will continue, Father, to speak to each and every one of us in this room. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.